Welcome to Making Our Way, a podcast where we have conversations about some of the toughest and the best moments in life. This is a place where we hear from people who've created a way forward in spite of and sometimes because of the struggles they face. My own journey raising a child with a rare disease, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, is the inspiration for this. But this isn't just about Duchenne or my story. We all have something we're carrying. That's just life. So this is a place for all of us, for conversation, for connection, and to gain strength from each other. We are each other's keepers, and we can also be each other's teachers. We are better together. I'm your host, Marisa Penrod. Hi, everyone. I have been looking forward to talking to today's guest for quite a while, but I had to get on his calendar because he is a busy guy. Jake Marazzo is a short film creator, an entrepreneur, and a published author who's currently working on his second book. His accomplishments would be impressive really for anyone, but Jake is just barely out of high school. He's currently a 19-year-old college student. He is our youngest guest ever, and I'd have to say, one of our wisest. Jake is impressive by any measure, But his success and his enthusiasm for life is so special because of the struggles he's navigated. Or I should say, because of the struggles he is navigating every single day. Jake has quite a bit more to deal with than most of his peers. But as Jake would say, his story is not about what he's done with his struggles. It's really, to him, just about what he's doing with his life. I am so grateful to share him with all of you. Jake is a really exceptional young man, and I'm really happy that we get to share a story. Let's get started. Hi, Jake. So good to have you here with us. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. You are the youngest guest we've ever had, and I'd have to say one of the most accomplished. You are 19 years old, you're a freshman in college, and you're also a published author. And so I want to start today just by talking about your passion for creating, for writing, for storytelling in in many different formats, but in particular, first, the book that you wrote. Since I was at a young age, my parents really noticed that I was creative. I would always come up with ideas for my own little like movies and uh, books when I was uh, about four years old. And they were always sort of based on other, you know, sort of movies or books that I I had seen or read watching movies like Toy Story and, and Cars, all those uh, Pixar movies. I thought, well, like, gee, like, that's, that's such a cool concept, like things we wouldn't normally expect to actually, you know, be alive and, and talk to each other. So my idea was to do the same thing, something similar, but with uh, numbers and letters. And that, that was definitely a big uh, inspiration at that time. I was four years old and I came down to my dad uh, one morning, like I had the idea for a book. It's called One Wants to Be a Letter. And I said, like, oh, you know, it's about the number one. And he wants to be just like his letter friends. And he feels left out and wants to be like them. And he said, well, wow, I've never heard of that idea before. And so we both sort of started developing it. And it was my dad, really, the, the driving force uh, behind that when I was younger. But as I got older, um, the, it was a more collaborative process. 2020, I believe it was, we finally got the story published. Uh, and it's awesome to see uh, how many kids are really enjoying it. So interestingly, you talk about, it's a children's book. It's beautifully illustrated. Creating a book and getting it out into the market, it's on Amazon. That's not just something that, you know, you just sit down and kind of type it in and it just, there it is. 
you were in high school. How did you make that happen? What was the process and who helped you along the way? What was the, what did the team look like? A publisher contacted us and wanted uh, me to be featured in uh, one of the books that they were planning on publishing. But we told him about the idea of One Wants to Be a Letter. And they said, well, you know, we love that idea. and We, we can definitely do that too. That's sort of the genesis for how the whole process started. And we had uh, Gregor, our awesome illustrator, do all the really awesome illustrations in the book. And it, it came out amazing, honestly. Let's talk a little bit more about the plot in the book. It's about the number one always wishes that he was a letter. And then there's a transformation in the story. So the story's about the number one and all of his friends are letters and he admires them and he, th- he wants to be just like them because they can get together and spell uh, different words and numbers can only get together and make bigger numbers. And one doesn't think that that's so great. He eventually signs up for a race and uh, wins that race and realizes that being a number isn't as bad as he thought it was and that he likes being himself. And it's really a story about just embracing our uniqueness that we all have. When I was younger, I would always see other kids that I thought, you know, were really cool and wanted to be like them. We come to realize that we all have our own strengths that we should all celebrate because we're all different. You know, I always say to the kids when I do the readings, I'd say, you know, the world would be really boring if all of us were the same. It's true. I mean, we all have different opinions, different thoughts. We all look different and that's okay. It's a great story and it's a great message, Jake. And Really pretty incredible from you at such a young age. You mentioned the kids in, in what you tell them when you read to them. You're actually going into school, elementary schools, with classrooms full of kids. Tell me about that. How is that? Oh, it's awesome. Hearing the kids' uh, questions are, are always so adorable. They always tell me their own ideas that they have for stories. Like one little girl when I was doing a reading stood up and said, I want to write a story about a unicorn. And then uh, one of them said, my brother wrote a story and it was called Spider-Man versus Spider-Man. <laughs> and yeah, just, just the, 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 the mind of a child is just is, is lovely. And I say, well, you can come up with an idea for a story and maybe it'll get published someday. I think ideas for children's books from children make the best children's books because, you know, that's really the audience that it's being written for. And so I think they've sort of taught me to write from a young perspective. I think it's so wise for you to recognize that. Your book is, of course, amazing on its own, and it's making an impact on children and probably their parents and their teachers when they read it with them. But there's also something else with this book that's special about it, and it's about where the proceeds are going. Yeah, so the book's proceeds are going to a foundation that me and my family started called For Jake's Sake. And it's all about helping kids with Duchenne, making their homes and lives more accessible. And I think the genesis for this was, I was at an MDA camp and I saw a kid in a wheelchair uh, with Duchenne getting into his car with a wooden ramp that presumably the parents must have built so that he could get in. And I was like, that's so sad that like, that has to be the case. And like, you know, we need to do something about this. So we sort of help kids get stair lifts and uh, cars that actually have ramps, you know, within them and and vans. I love that, Jake. I'm going to put a link in the notes of uh, this episode where people can purchase the book if they want, knowing that it's just a great story and knowing that it's not only just a great story, but you're also making a difference and supporting your foundation when you do that to help other people in the same situation that you are. Jake, you have a new project that you're working on 
that is pretty special. You've um, started a t-shirt business for a very specific reason. It's one of the things that I think is incredibly special about you. Tell us a little bit about your new creative effort and what you hope to do with your t-shirt business. So I have an LLC called The World of Jake Marazzo, and we're releasing some new merch for it called uh, Don't Call Me Buddy. So it's uh, t-shirts that have hashtag Don't Call Me Buddy written on them. And this comes from a very specific place in my life. I think growing up being disabled, I always felt like there were people that talked down to me and it still happens to this day. And, you know, people will come up to me and use a tone that they would as if they were talking to a child. And the word buddy is often thrown out there. People will come up to me and say, hey, buddy, how are you? And, you know, it was it always felt really condescending to me. And a lot of people don't mean it this way. I think a lot of people are just trying to be nice and they don't really know how to handle talking to disabled people. So I think rather than getting angry at the people that do this unintentionally, I think the best way is to educate them. And that's what I want this shirt to do. If uh, others see that shirt and uh, realize what, you know, talking to them like that, like how that would affect them. I think this is a campaign I'm really excited about. And I hope that this sort of raises awareness on this topic. So Jake, you and I know each other because my son and you share the same disease in Duchenne muscular dystrophy. You're the same age. You're both freshmen in college. And Joseph said that too, that people's tone of voice will change. It's the high pitch. It's like either like you're three or like they're talking to a puppy. They'll, they can address three people standing together and they'll say, you know, hi, Jordan. Hi, Amy. Hi, Joseph. <laughs> hey, yeah, buddy. <laughs> how are you? And and it is unintentional, and I think it's maybe even from a compassionate place, but I think it's really tough when you're an adolescent, and now, you know, you're a young man, you're a grown adult. People do, they approach you differently. How have you been able to manage that, you know, for as many years as you've noticed it, and it's bothered you, and you felt compelled to say something? How do you navigate that with people? I think for a while, I definitely ignored it. It was definitely something that, like, you know, I wasn't sure how to react to because I don't want to be snarky with people. So I think this shirt is definitely uh, a good way to sort of educate people because honestly, for a while, I had no idea, like, what to say. Like, would I say the wrong thing? Would it come across in the wrong way? So that's definitely what inspired me to create this shirt. What else do you hope that people know about somebody in a wheelchair? or in the disability community, what what else would you like people to understand about the world of Jake Marazzo? I just hope that people uh, can continue to treat others who are disabled as they would with someone who is abled. I think that's really important. That's what we all look for, because there's this sort of abnormal thing about us being in a wheelchair, and we want to sort of feel normal in that sense to other people and the people around us. And I, I hope that people continue to learn and, and grow uh, in terms of, you know, how to talk to disabled people. And I hope more people can sort of understand the best way to go about doing that. Would you say that the best way to talk to somebody in a wheelchair, somebody with a disability, is just to talk to them like you would anybody else? Yeah, definitely. And I think, too, I remember when Joseph was in high school at one point, he said there were a bunch of people in the hallway in high school. Somebody, you know, was telling a story and they started swearing and, you know, dropping the F-bomb. And and they turned to Joseph and apologized. And they used the word buddy. And they said, oh, "Oh, buddy, hey, I'm so sorry. And Joseph was like, what do you mean you're sorry? Like (laughs) That happens all the time to me. 
it's like I want to say, like, I'm your age. Like, I've heard the same language that you guys hear, you know. So it's well, I used to tease Joseph. I'm like, buddy, you better start, you know, swearing more and dropping the f bomb so they know that you're okay with it. And of course, as his mom, I didn't really want him to do that. But we know what the halls of high school are like. And I think there's just all those subtle things that nobody really proactively thinks about. So there's something else that I hear people say, in particular, Jake, about you. You know, again, so you're a published author, you've made some short films. You've appeared on nationally on the Dr. Phil show. You are incredibly creative. You've been in the theater and theater productions in high school. And I know that people say things often like, you're such an inspiration. How does that feel to you when they say that? Well, I know that already. So they're sort of telling me stuff that I already... <laughs> no, Good you know, it, 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 yeah, no, it definitely feels good when people say that to me. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that I have that, that effect on people that just means the world, honestly. I mean, Mm -hmm. just if I can make that impact on people, then, you know, what I really have to complain about if I'm really inspiring people in this way, I mean, it's so great to see. I'm glad to hear you say that because I think sometimes people say I'm not an inspiration. I'm just living my life, but I think that we all find inspiration somewhere. And I know there are people who are not in a wheelchair and not disabled and they're inspiring to people. So I think it's just how your story resonates with people. So we talk a lot when we talk about Duchenne being a degenerative progressive muscle wasting disease. You know, it took away your ability to walk. You were in a wheelchair full time. It takes away a lot from our sons, from you personally. And as a mom, I say from my son. Do you think that Duchenne has given you anything? I think it's given me this really awesome community of people. And, you know, the Duchenne community, we all support each other. And it's it's just so great to be a part of. It's one of the best things I think we could have been given with this is just a supportive, tightly knit community. And I think it's just really gave me such an important outlook on life, you know, because I always say, don't live the diagnosis, live the life. I think my purpose is really to inspire younger kids with Duchenne or without Duchenne to really live every day. My dad always tells me, you know, live the dash, you know, on gravestones, Mm -hmm. there's the date that someone was born and the date that they passed. And then there's a dash in between that. That's your life. So you always want to live that dash. And, you know, I always wake up thinking that the current day that I'm in is the last day, you know, of my life. When we go in with that mindset, then we really never take anything for granted and we try to live every day as much as we can. And that's the message that I hope I continue to spread to people. That's pretty special, Jake. I love that. And I, as a parent myself of a son with Duchenne, it's really great for me to hear from you about your perspective. I'm an advocate for Joseph, but also my other kids just in other situations when they need me to advocate for them. And I know your your mom and dad are are vocal. Your mom's very involved in the community and quite an advocate. What what would you like parents to know about how they tell their child's story and how they advocate and what they ask for and what they place importance on on behalf of their child? I'd be sure to place the most importance on the positive aspect of what has been lost. I think that's important to discuss. But also what's been gained, I think it's important to really emphasize the positive note that this has given us not only a a tightly knit community, but 
just an outlook on life to make sure that we live every day. That's what, whenever my parents try to tell my story, that's always what they emphasize. We never try to emphasize the sad part because, and it's, and it's valid for people to be upset about this. I mean, I totally get it. And it's, it's definitely understandable, but I think, you know, we can be sad for 10 years, but that's 10 years of life that will go by. So I think the message that I want to get across is that there are things that people with Duchenne can do. Because, you know, if I listed everything I can't do, we'd be here all day. If I listed everything I can do, we'd still be here all day. And that's a list that I'd much rather spend all day reading. Uh, Beautifully said. I think that is so important, Jake, what you just said, because there is a culture in so many times, a culture of positivity, which now some people are saying toxic positivity, right? Like good vibes only and anything's possible and be a warrior. And sometimes it's, well, today it's not good vibes only, or I don't, there aren't good vibes right now, or anything's not possible. Like Joseph knows he's not going to be a professional baseball player. It's that's literally not possible. He can't be an astronaut. There are things that he can't do. So how do you, and it's, you know, that's not negative, right? Sometimes that's just a realism that allows you to focus on what you can do. How do you foster your own dreams and in what you, you know, really feel passionate about while you do acknowledge the limitations that you have? There's a saying that I always hear, it's be an optimist, but also be a realist. And I think an example of that in my life is freshman year of high school, I tried out for tennis. The coaches were, were really awesome about it, and they gave me a lighter racket so that it would be easier for me to hit. And I did it for about a week, and we were coming up on the first match. And I think there was a point where I was like, I, I just don't think that this is possible with my arm strength. I just, I'm worried that the match is not going to go well at all if I actually, you know, make it to one. And I was obviously, you know, really upset. Like, you know, I wanted to do this and, and, you know, I was sad. I, I, I wasn't able to, but at the same time I said, you know, at least I tried it. And at least I gave that an attempt Mm -hmm. and that ultimately didn't end up working, but there's so many other things that I can do that I should focus on. Like I, right now I want to try wheelchair soccer because it seems really fun. That's a sport that disabled people can do. I'm just really glad that there's a lot of sports that disabled people can actually play. And because I think, you know, being part of a sports team is such a nice feeling. It's, it's a nice feeling of community and, and, and family. And the fact that those exist for disabled people, I think that's awesome. I agree. I agree. And Jake, I think what you bring up is the idea that you can grieve what's been lost, but you can still focus on the present moment and celebrate what you are able to do. I think that's a that's a message and that's a philosophy that we can all benefit from because I think we all experience loss. We all have limitations of some sort. I love what you've started that's very specific to you, but it's so universal being human and and knowing that, you know, big dreams and happiness and accomplishment can really go side by side with some loss and some grief and, you know, some difficult times. I think that your your message is so needed and so important. We talked about parents and about advocating. How do you think your parents would describe you? They usually say, yeah, he's all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that for one minute. No, yeah. They describe me as uh, an inspiration. I have the most supportive parents, and they've been supportive all my life of whatever career path, whatever I wanted to do within reason. 
You've done a lot in your short number of years here so far. What does a good life look like to you? I think what makes a good life is really living it to the fullest every day. That's always what I try to do. And of course, no day is going to be perfect. There's always going to be struggles that are put in our way. But I feel like life gives us struggles to see how we react to them. And, you know, I think sometimes a struggle that you would have reacted more strongly to years ago, and that same struggle happens again, and you react less, that really reflects your growth. When I was younger, I would spill water on me, and I would always get so upset uh, at that. But now when it happens, I'm just like, eh, you know, water dries. And that, that definitely is a reflection of growth. And I think that just acknowledging that we're, we're, we're all growing and we're all learning every day. What do you hope your legacy will be? I think it's one of the most important message I think we can ever get across is to always live through life the best way we can and really live through every day and try to make every day a good one. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes there's bad days that we have. Sometimes there's days when I'm really upset about Duchenne because a lot of the time I don't think about it too often, but then there's days when I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this sucks. Like this is, this is, this is the worst. And that's, that's okay. We all have those days where we're just, where we're just not feeling it that day and that's okay. But you can't let that consume your everyday life. I think it's so important to try to do something every day that makes you happy. My friend always says to me, like, try to do something today that will make tomorrow better. Like if you had a bad day that day and when that day's over, try to do something that'll make the next day better. Like maybe pick out your clothes for the morning so that you can, you can get out to breakfast faster or set up your work so that you can start working on it early tomorrow and the next day and be productive or just, you know, just small things like that, or make a schedule for yourself, you know, for the next day to make it just that a little bit easier. I just think that life is such a gift that we're all given. And I I think it's, we all need to live it to the fullest that we can and really cherish it. I think so too, Jake. I think so too. And and I got to tell you from the one book you've already written, the other one that's in process you're working on now, which I can't wait to see with the the short films you've created with the t-shirt campaign you've started, I think that your legacy is well underway and you are doing so much for so many and really changing people's perspective, giving them a perspective. It's just, it is my pleasure to have you here to get to talk to you today. And I can't wait to hear about the next book and I hope you'll come back and update us on some more of what's going on in the world of Jake Marazzo. Absolutely. Thanks for being here today, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. It's been awesome. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Making Our Way. If you enjoyed this, please share it and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any episodes. Production support for Making Our Way was generously provided by PTC Therapeutics, Pfizer, and Sarepta Therapeutics. Thank you for making this possible. If you'd like to learn more about the work that Team Joseph is doing to support the Duchenne community and to make the world a better place, please visit us at teamjoseph.org.